right. Good morning, everyone. Yes, I'm on. That's excellent. All right. How are you all this morning? Yeah, we're excited to be here. I'm excited to be here. Um, it's a great day to be here, and it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm up here, um, and everything to do with the fact that we get to talk about sex today in church. It's awesome. Um, it doesn't happen very often, but the word's going to be thrown out there a few times today, so stay tuned. Let's just start with prayer. All right. Hey, God. Thank you so much just for this opportunity for us to be here today as a church family, to connect, to talk on some things that we may not always get to talk on, we may not think um, to talk on in church, but they're pretty actually important, and we just pray that you will be with us today, that your Holy Spirit will be here, that you'll help us to listen in, to focus, to hear the message that you have for each one of us. and that you will empty me of myself, and that all the words that come through me will just be yours. We pray, amen. Okay. Oh, I don't have a clicker, but that's okay. Um, All right, so we are looking at part three of a series that's called Guardrails. Okay, and while he's not listening, I'm just going to take this opportunity to thank Sean, who's away on a beautiful pastor's retreat, for uh, the topic that he left me with, I really should have, um, thank you, listened to Nusky when he said to ask for the topic before you say yes to the date. But here we are, and it's going to be great. Okay, um, so being week three of this series, here we go. Yep, all right, it's working. Um, by now, most of us, were aware of what a guardrail is, okay? A guardrail, it is a system in the form of a road to a road, et cetera, uh, to prevent people from falling, okay? It is there to direct and protect. I was really lucky when I was 16. Um, we took a family trip overseas. We went to New York and Paris, and while we were on this trip, Uh, Of course, we had to do the sites, and we went up to the top of the Empire State Building, and of course, we also went to the viewing platform um, on the Eiffel Tower. And these are two of the most incredible views that I have ever seen in my life, and I was really, really excited to do that. There is no chance that I would have gotten off that elevator if those guardrails had not been in place. I'm not talking about little, you know, warning safety tape around a couple of poles, like it had to be something really solid for me to feel like I could get up there and view um, those sites at that height without being completely terrified. Those guardrails gave me freedom. Okay, and so that's what we're kind of looking at today. We're looking at guardrails um, and how they direct and protect us. Okay, they are placed in that safe zone. They are not actually in a um, a zone of danger. If you hit one, you know, you might get a little banged up, you say, if it's your car or something, but you're going to walk away because it's not actually in an area of um, danger. It's safe. So that's why they're there. Okay, now Sean has already spoken to us about moral guardrails. He um, looked at the story of King David and how his lack of moral guardrails led to an affair and then a pregnancy with Bathsheba and then the murder of her husband Uriah the Hittite to cover it all up. And then last week, Neil spoke to us about proximity and just being wise in who we um, choose as our friends and who we allow um, into our lives and to speak into our lives. And today, we are going to be looking at intimacy and relational guardrails. Okay. Now, last week, Neil, he explained that these guardrails, they're essentially, they are a personal 
They're a personal choice. It's something that you put up for yourself. I can't tell you this is for you, and my choices are for me. You can't tell me what to do. Um, but essentially, it's a standard that we put in place so that if we get too close or we actually touch them, a little red flag goes off in our conscious to say, hey, maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe I shouldn't be with this person. Maybe this scenario isn't good for me. And we take a couple of step backs, okay? We are caught in the middle of this epic battle between God and Satan. And although God's already won, Satan's whole existence right now is just to see how many of us he can take down as collateral damage. And he loves this form of doing it, okay? It's very effective for him, okay? He wants to see us hurt, and he knows that um, sinning sexually is a really unique um, it's uniquely damaging, and we'll talk about that more, but he is doing everything he can to see us fail in this space, and that's why we need to talk about it, okay? This is the conversation that I wish someone had had many, many years ago when I was coming through church and getting all curious, okay? So, first, let me just clarify, though, that today's message, it is for you. It does not matter if you are single, dating, in a relationship, married, it's complicated. It doesn't matter. You might have been happily married for decades without so much as a sideways glance. It's still for you. And that is because it might be a message that someone else needs to hear through you later on. It might be a message that you need to have um, share with your kids at some point in the future. And let's be honest, none of us are ever too old to sin. So we all need to be listening to this today. All right, so setting up relational guardrails, it's difficult because in our society, it's almost controversial, okay? They're not encouraged, they're not embraced, often they're scoffed and they're mocked, all right? Our culture loves sex. We all know the saying, sex sells, okay? And it is true. You're possibly not even aware of how much you are influenced um, just with this slogan. Even in my young 20s, I really didn't catch on. It wasn't until I got married, and then definitely once I had kids, that I started looking around, and I thought, oh my goodness, there is so much out there that I have no control over what my family sees. And it's really alarming. All the world is likely to tell you is wait until you're ready. That's really the only guardrail that they're going to put up. And honestly, it's like caution tape that someone's already cut. It's useless. All right, so let's have a look at a couple of um, not-so-fun statistics. All right, did you know that the average age for people to start having sex in Australia is 16? But it can be as young as 12. This is consensual, by the way. Australian children see porn for the first time usually around the age of nine, okay? And although every parent might think it's never gonna be my kid, the data suggests that it is every child. There is no escape, there is no exception, okay? The media and the entertainment industry, they are some of the worst offenders when it comes to this. This is one of Satan's greatest playing fields, okay? They draw us in, they bait us, they get us close to that edge because it loves to see us fall, okay? But let's be honest, to a certain degree, we're all complicit, okay? Here we have just a handful of TV shows um, that are popular now or have been really popular. Honestly, there are probably hundreds, but I couldn't fit them all up there without you actually being able to see them, okay? 
Now, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but I'm going to assume that most of us have seen one of these shows or shows like it, whether you've seen them once or twice or you binge them every night. We've seen them, okay? They're entertaining, they're clever, they're funny. He's chasing her, she's chasing him. Every single one of these shows has soft porn in it, okay? Soft porn, just so you know, it's where sex is seen or implied. It's just not violent or unpleasant, okay? It's not super detailed. Did you know that there is now a whole new genre of TV series? Growing up, all there was when we went to the video store, because they were still around when I was growing up, was you could go to like the family section, comedy, action, thriller. Now, when you're looking through your streaming service, there's a whole new genre called love and lust, or dating, or something like that, okay? We see these shows, Dating Naked, Farmer Wants a Wife, Married at First Sight, Love Island. The list is really quite extensive, and this is stuff that we're watching intentionally, okay? Think about the music that you listen to, the books that you read, the reels, the TikTok videos, it goes on and on. As a society, we are consuming the concept of casual sex and affairs at a really alarming rate. All right. Now, every relation, uh, sorry, relationships is honestly, it's almost, it's, it's almost a taboo concept um, in some conversations because everyone just wants to keep it casual. I saw this when I was having a look and I thought it was interesting. It says, um, that point when you realize that dating is no longer how long do we see each other before we have sex, but now it's how long are we having sex before we're officially seeing each other. All right, now, why it all gets, why society seems to enjoy pushing us towards these boundaries, I don't really know, because honestly, the same culture, when we actually walk past that boundary, if we do fall off the edge, they love to laugh at us. They love to shame us and to scoff at us. These movies, and there's so many more like them, okay, they almost glorify flares. I've seen them, they're hilarious but we're desensitizing ourselves, okay? And let's be honest, if your sister or your neighbor or your best friend came to you and said, hey, I'm having an affair or my partner's leaving me because they've had an affair, it's not entertaining anymore. It's entertained. All right, and this is why we need guardrails, so that we do not get so close to that edge that society encourages us to get towards. And now you might be thinking, you know what, I've watched all of those shows, I listen to whatever I want, and I have not been uh, negatively affected in my relationships. Praise God, hallelujah, I honestly hope that you can say that those statements are true. Because for most of our society, constantly seeing all of this, being exposed to all of this, it desensitizes us, even to a point where like in those movies, it's romanticized, these ideas, okay? We might actually start to believe that, you know what? What would it hurt? No one has to know, I could get away with it. What if I just shift my boundaries a little bit? What if I just move that guardrail or take it down just for a small little while? You know what, I'm really unhappy in my marriage. This might spice things up even, it might even save our marriage, who knows? We start to rationalize, okay? Now, Regardless of where you personally put your boundaries or um, how you rationalize and make your decisions, in a world that's plagued with sin, and it's a pipe dream, but in a world that's plagued with sin, 
imagine just for a moment what it would actually look like if we got this one thing right, if as a culture and a society we actually started to embrace guardrails in this area. We would have less heartbreak, less divorce, fewer unwanted pregnancies, less domestic violence, fewer kids in the foster system, and fewer kids wondering where mom and dad are. Now, parents, this one's for you, because I am about to beg you, please do not kid yourself that just because you have brought up your child or are bringing up your child in a Christian home, that they love Jesus, they sing the songs, you come to a good Christian school, you attend church every single week, your kids might even be up here leading, that they cannot be tempted, because it's a lie. All right? This conversation about guardrails, this talk, the talk, it needs to be one that you have properly and openly and a lot sooner than you think. And I don't mean when you get in the car after today, you look back and you're like, hey, interesting topic, wasn't it? Um, that whole guardrails thing, like, do we need to have that conversation? Like, have you got something in place? Like, I'm not trying to pry, but I'm just curious. And they're like, yeah, mum, we don't need to have that chat. Cool, great, excellent. That's what I wanted to hear. That's not the conversation that I'm talking about. Dads, take your sons away for a fishing or a camping trip. Mums, take your daughters into the city, make a weekend, go and have a nice time. But at some stage or multiple stages, have this conversation and have it properly. Yeah, it's going to be awkward for both of you, but it's a lot less awkward than some of the conversations that could come if you don't have it. All right, we have gone very deep, straight up. And if you are new to church, or this is your first time here, welcome. It's not always like this. I just got hit with a hot topic and I thought, let's do it properly. Um, but honestly, we're really grateful that you are here. And I don't believe that God does anything without planning. So if you are here today, it is for a reason. It may not be for you right now. It may be for someone else later down the track. But you are here for a reason. So let's not get too awkward. Let's stay tuned. It's going to be great. All right, now, everything that I have said so far, you can't even say it's a religious truth. I mean, it's just truth, right? We all know people, we all have people in our lives who would have benefited if they had had these conversations earlier, if they had put guardrails in place earlier, because now there are some things in their life that they're dealing with or going through or that it, this, they've got some baggage that they just, they're never going to shake, Okay. But let's have a look at what God in the Bible says about infidelity and intimacy because everything has to come back to that. All right, we are going to have a look at Corinthians 6, 18, verse, uh, verses 18 to 20. And it says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Wow, there is a lot in these three verses, and we are going to unpack them in a second. But I first up have to say that if you are someone who at any point has practiced sex outside of the sanctity of marriage 
or you are currently practicing sex outside of the sanctity of marriage, or that choice at some point in your past was taken from you, there is no judgment here. There is just love. There is just grace. Okay? God sees you. He loves you. He wants to embrace you. He is hurt for you. This was not the plan that he has for you. But he is so ready to forgive you. He is so ready to help heal you and help you move forward. You just need to ask. All right. So, also, if you are and you haven't made that converse, you haven't had that conversation with your partner, but it's something that you feel you need to have, again, God wants to help you with that. He wants to help you move forward and he wants to offer forgiveness and love and grace, not judgment. All right, so moving forward. Flee from sexual immorality. Okay, so what is sexual immorality according to the Bible? If we have a look at Exodus 20:14, it explains that physical adultery is voluntary who is not their spouse, okay? Married, not married, it's adultery. Not married, married, adultery. Married, married, but not together, adultery. Okay, we get the point. Numbers 5.12. I'm just going to be really clear here because we like to look at ways to get around some of this. All right. Numbers 5 verses 12, emotional adultery. It's a real thing, okay? To allow your heart to go astray, to desire or connect with another person that starts becoming, even in the smallest way, a substitute for a marital partner, okay? You need to guard your heart because that is a gateway to anything else. Plus, it's, it's still adultery, all right, Hebrews 13, 4, fornication, another word you don't normally hear in church, but here we go, fornication. So, sexual intercourse between two people who are not married to each other. It really doesn't get any more clear than that. You're not married, it's fornication. All right, moving on. So, again, you're going to go home and people will be like, what was the church like? And you're like, well, I will have a story to tell you. It's great, though. Okay, so... Thank you, Sean. Um, now, we could spend more time. No, it's serious. I'm honestly grateful to be here. Um, we could spend more time now discussing what sexual intercourse is, um, where you draw that line between actually having sex and, you know, we're just fooling around and it's okay. I'm not going to, again, that's a boundary that you need to set, but let me just put it this way, because someone did it for me a while ago and I quite liked how they said it. They said, if you don't want your grandparents to walk in on you doing it, whatever it is, okay, it's probably because you shouldn't be. If you don't want photos of it or videos of it plastered all over social media, it's probably because you shouldn't be doing it, okay? Pray to God about what that line looks like. We're going to keep moving on, but make that line, put it there. All right. Um, flee from sexual immorality. Do not linger. Tells us, don't flee, flirt, okay? Now, I appreciate that to some of you, I am so old school. My message is outdated. I'm 100 years old. This is backwards and even a little bit hypocritical. But this is what's in the Bible. And to be honest, flirting is way more fun once you are already married as long as it's with your partner. All right. Now, moving along. So, you have to understand here 
And this is important, that I and God, we're not against sex. In fact, quite the opposite. God created sex, all right? And he created it to be a pleasure and to be enjoyed. He could have designed us simply to regenerate or clone ourselves. He could have made sex as meaningless a task as brushing your teeth, but he didn't. Okay, he instead created us with a combination of over 12,000 nerve endings designed specifically to help you enjoy sex as a married couple. As a married couple. God wants you to have sex. He wants you to enjoy it. He designed you for it. Okay, but he was clear about the context. Marriage. All right, all other sins. Paul immediately puts... Um, sexual sin in a category of its own, okay? It is uniquely damaging. It is possible to fully recover financially or academically or even physically, but when it comes to sexual sin, it's simply not the case. Forgiven? Absolutely. Escape the full consequences? You can't. The damage is done. It undermines our future intimacy and it impacts future relationships. I was at an SWB conference about 10 years ago. It's a secret women's conference, and yes, it's excellent. And um, one of the speakers there, Dr. Caroline Leaf, she is a neurologist, a Christian, an author, a podcast. She's one of those people that's just incredible in every area of her life. And she said there, she explained, because she was talking about something like this, it's a one-night stand or a very long-term relationship. Every single time you have sex, it reduces your capacity to connect intimately with the next person that you then have sex with. Okay? It might be that you never really connected at all with this first person, but it still reduces your capacity to connect intimately with that next person. You have a couple of these partners, and when you finally find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, you simply cannot connect with them as wholly as you would have if you had not had those sexual partners beforehand. That's neurological science that they can prove. That is not a Christian thing. That's a, it's just how it is. Again, we're getting a little deep, but it's good. Okay, so the Apostle Paul, okay, he knew this 2,000 years ago, and he said, look, this is not unforgivable. This has nothing to do with God loving you and accepting you. I'm just letting you know that the consequences of sexual sin, they're different from any other type of sin, okay? And you know what? We all know this. We don't have to look that far to see that it's a truth. We probably all know someone, or we are someone who is carrying around sexual shame and baggage. And we're going to carry it around our whole life. It's going to follow us. Again, it's not a forgiveness issue. It's just the nature of sex. And here's what he says. He says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but the person who sins sexually sins against their own body. Paul is saying, come on here. You know when sexual sin, oh, sorry, when you sin sexually, not only do you steal from someone else, because they're now in on it, you've robbed them of something, but you're robbing yourself. Okay? You have undermined your own potential for future intimacy, and you've robbed that other person of that as well. Doesn't matter if it's consensual, that's how it is. Had an epiphany at some point, God spoke to them and he said, you know what, you are married to my daughter and one day you are going to have to answer for how you treated her. 
We are all daughters or sons of God, and one day we are going to have to answer to him for how we treated each other. Personally, I want him to be okay with how I treated my husband and the people around me. All right, Paul continues to remind each of us of our own value. He says, do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price and therefore honor God with your bodies. Okay, um, at some point in my past, obviously, um, I visited Angkor Wat. It was... Uh, It's one of the eighth wonders of the world. It is incredible, absolutely breathtaking. But here, Paul is saying that as sons and daughters, we are so much more valuable than any physical temple because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. The value of a container is determined by what's inside. He says, you are not your own, to which we say, well, yes, I am. I'm an adult. I'm a senior in high school. I'm a free agent. My body is mine to do with it what I want. Well, Paul says, actually, no, you're not. You're wrong. And be glad that you're wrong because the ownership that God has placed on you has determined your value. And what makes a container valuable is also who owns it, and the value that they have placed on that and its contents. Just remember that God loves each of us so much that he sacrificed his only son for you and me, and not just for all of us collectively, because he would have done it for just one of us throughout all of history. He still would have done all that he did. He still would have sacrificed Jesus for one of us to have at any point just gone, yeah, I'm in. Think about that. He would have done everything, just if you had been that single person. All he asks in return, in this context, is that you honor God with your body, meaning you do what he designed them for. All right, so we have established that we need guardrails. Now let's take a look at what they might actually look like. And like I said earlier, it is a personal choice. I cannot tell you what to do. You can't laugh at my suggestions. Well, you can, but I'll just ignore you. And honestly, if what I'm saying just, it's, it sounds backwards, you're frustrated by it, whatever have you. That's up to you when you calm down because you've left church and you've had some breathing space. Just promise yourself that you will pray about it and that you will have this conversation. You will set some boundaries up for yourself, even if you don't like the ones that I'm about to um, suggest. All right, so number one. Here we go. Pray about it. I've just, we've just established that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. We have access to the power of God, his strength, his power, his courage. If you would only pray to him. Pray for strength to stay on the right side of that guardrail. Pray for wisdom to know where to put it. And pray for courage that you're actually going to put it in place and leave it there. Number two, talk about it. Now, if you're a married couple, you're engaged, you're dating someone, it's a serious relationship, you need to talk about these guardrails, okay? Even if it is your first date with someone, get it out there. Tell them where your guardrails are. Don't leave them on. Shut it down straight away. Or just explain what you are comfortable with. Get it out there. Talk about it. Communicate it. All right? You need to know what you are comfortable with when it comes to your fiancé or partner or um, spouse, and they need to know what you're comfortable with. You need to decide those boundaries together. You need to know what each other thinks. 
Um, Tristan and I, when we got engaged, we were told that as a prerequisite, we had to go and do, I think it was three or four sessions of premarital counseling, to which Tristan was like, yay, I'm kidding, um, last three years. But I'm, you know, men don't like to talk about their feelings, so I'm really curious to know what um, is gonna be drawn out of this. And we get in there and they sit us down and they're like, okay, now let's, let's just go through a couple of questions. Let's uh, have some conversation starters. And I was like, yes. And she's like, all right, how many kids do you want? And I was like, oh, I don't know, two or three. I think we had that conversation on our second date. Okay, cool. Um, all right, where do you think you guys might live when you get married? I was like, in the house that we've bought and we're renovating. Like, again, we talked about that pretty early. Okay, cool. Um, careers, you know, are you happy with what each other's doing? Yes, we are, can we move it along? Um, all right, what about, you know, where are you guys gonna spend Christmas this year? And I was like, oh my goodness, why are these the conversations that we're having? This is useless to me, I'm not learning anything. And she's like, well, these are the conversations we find people haven't had when they get to this point. And I was like, oh, I can't even deal with culture and society if this is what I have to sit through for four sessions because people don't have the conversation. It was frustrating because I really wanted to get something else out of it, but it didn't happen and that's okay. But my point is, talk about it, <laughs> okay? Talk about it. All right, so you need to decide together what is appropriate and it might be in your workplace, what you're happy with your spouse doing. Do you like that they have to um, work so closely with that female or that male that they have to travel or, you know, talk about it, have some boundaries in place. Even socially, what are you comfortable with? All right, now if you're a parent, let's bring this back to that. You need to have this conversation about guardrails and boundaries with your kids. You need to discuss what you're comfortable with taking place under your roof. Um, a rule that was in my family, and Tris and I have already decided that we're gonna put this on our children. Um, if Scarlett has a boy in her room, that door stays open. If Elijah has a, boy, a girl in his room, that door stays open. Honestly, it should just stay open anyway, but you know what, that's our rule. You break it, ding, um, get changed in the bathroom. All right, you need to find what you are comfortable with, and if it's not my suggestion, that's okay. Another one that I know a lot of parents um, are doing is no sleepovers, blanket rule. Unless it's an immediate family member, no sleepovers, for numerous reasons. It's just a guardrail that they have put in place to try and protect their children. It's one that we're gonna put in place to try and protect our children. No internet in the bedrooms. Good luck with that these days. Again, you need to be aware, you need to put up some guardrails, have a conversation, whatever it looks like for you, have them with your kids. All right, number three, avoid problematic people. Now, who are these problematic people? Let's be honest, you already know, all right? You get to work, you're walking into that meeting, you can go left, you can go right, but that person, they are to your left, so you're gonna walk this way, okay? You just want them to notice that you've done your hair this morning. Maybe acknowledge you, because it just makes you feel nice that they've actually seen you, that they acknowledge you, okay? You wanna have a conversation with them. It might be casual. That's a problematic person. If it's not your partner, and you're in a relationship, or if they're in a relationship. Now, if you're both single, go at it. That's how you meet someone. But if one of you is in a relationship, that's a problematic person. Don't 
Yeah, okay, now don't underestimate me when I say this. Um, emotional adultery, okay, it's a real thing and this is where it starts and you need to guard your heart. So a couple of basic rules that some people um, have put into place. One is don't be alone with them. Don't travel alone together. Don't eat alone together. Okay, in week one of this series, uh, Sean talked to us about the Billy Graham rule and how in the 60s he never traveled or ate with any woman who wasn't his wife or immediate family member. And that was controversial then. <laughs> Imagine place. And again, you need to decide what you are comfortable with. And this rule, should you adopt it, okay, and any of our guardrails, they need to, we need to make sure that context is everything and that we don't use them to try to sideline um, women or men um, from an uphill trajectory because, you know, we can't travel together, we can't work together, so you can just stay where you are. There is no um, opportunity for promotion for you here. We need to make sure that we use all of these in context because that would be wrong in and of itself. Okay, but yes, talk about it. And you know what, if you notice someone is a problematic person, don't keep that to yourself. Tell your spouse so that they're at least aware of it. Okay, they might need to come to your rescue every now and then. Who knows, all right? But have the conversation. Brings me to number four, no keeping secrets, all right? If you find yourself hoping that your partner or spouse or anyone for that matter is not gonna see you while you're out with X, while you're at place blah, while you are dressed a certain way, whatever it happens to be, if you are keeping emails secret or deleting text messages or having quiet conversations where they can't hear, those are serious red flags, okay? Talk about it, no secrets. Number five, there it is, no counseling. Okay, you're not a counselor. There might be one or two of you in here and that's okay, but most of us, we are not counselors, okay? We are not to counsel problematic people. They may need help, but they need it professionally, okay? Again, context is everything though. I am not saying this is your permission now when someone comes to talk to you and they're like, hey, can we just, can we go for a walk or can we grab coffee? Like, I've just got something in my heart and I really want to chat to you about it. And you're like, no, I've got permission that I do not have to deal with your anything anymore. Sorry, I'm a free agent. Context is everything, don't be that person, okay? Um, but problematic people, if you know that there's someone that you shouldn't be getting that close to, if they need someone else, have the awkward conversation because that one's a lot less awkward than where it could potentially lead in the conversation then that you'll be having with your partner or your spouse. When you feel your heart drifting towards someone who is out of bounds, you need to tell someone as well, okay? Again, we know what the problematic person looks like. You feel yourself start to drift towards them. You want to spend time with them. Whatever it happens to be, you need to tell someone about it because often even just speaking it out loud will actually diffuse a fair bit of it, okay? Go and walk with your girlfriend. Tell them about it. It doesn't have to be your partner. It should be at some stage. Talk about it, get it out there. All right, number seven, nope, six, can't count. Um, beware of the entertainment industry. We have already had a look just briefly at how much you and your family is exposed to here. You need to be wary of it. But when it comes to affairs, illicit relationships, emotional involvement, social media is a gateway drug. 
Okay, in some ways, social media is actually worse than actually physically meeting with that person because you only see their highlight reels and you are allowed then to fantasize and romanticize what could be and you end up building it up to something that is unrealistic in the first place. Okay. Um, again, here we go. Yeah, I liked this one. Oh, can, yes, you can read it. You also need to be aware of what it's doing to your relationship, even if it's not with someone else. I laughed at this when I saw it. I thought I'd add it in there. Again, um, a boundary that I know some people have put in place for themselves is that in their home, they only listen to Christian music and they only watch things that are good and kind and reflect the nature of God or actually talk about God. And that's their rule in their house. They don't watch anything because they are, aware, they are aware that they and their family and their kids are so exposed to what the world wants you to see outside of the home and they can't control it there. They're like, well, I'm going to control it in my house. So that when you start your day, when you come home from seeing all of that at the end of your day, you are brought back to God. That's a boundary that someone's put in place. That's a guardrail that someone has put in place to keep their kids as safe as they can because you can't bubble wrap them and lock them in the doors. That's illegal. All right, so we're almost there. I know it's a long one. All right, last one. Pray about it again. You can't pray enough, all right? There is no problem that you cannot come to God with. And honestly, he is already aware of the situation, okay? But lay it down at his feet. Ask for his wisdom and his guidance and the guidance and the courage to follow through with what he is telling you and what you know is right. That might mean that you actually have to put a stop to a friendship that's becoming a little bit damaging or leading to an area that's out of bounds. It might mean quitting a job or asking for a transfer. Having a hard conversation with someone. God wants you to succeed though and he wants to help Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. It is right there. That Holy Spirit, it lives inside of us. We just have to pray to activate it. it God wants to encourage you and strengthen you to make those decisions, to take that action or to stop that action, even if it seems impossible to do so. Remember, the point of a guardrail is to light up your consciousness. It is to stop you before you reach the danger zone, before you hurt yourself or someone else. All right, now if all this seems very extreme, just remember that extreme or dangerous environments, they call for extreme measures, okay? You might not think that these scenarios are dangerous, but they are because there is nothing else to stop you from falling over that edge. It's gonna lure you there, but there is absolutely nothing there to see it stop you from falling. And when you do fall, the world's going to shame you. It's going to mock you. It's going to laugh at you. If you do not put these guardrails in place, if you do not help your kids put these guardrails in place, there will be nothing there. Nothing to protect you on them from falling. And let's be honest. In five years' time or 20 years' time, whenever it happens to be, you look back, you are never going to say, oh, these stupid guardrails, they stopped me from missing out on so much. I would have been fine. I could have got closer. Floating was great. You're not going to say that. 
You might not be aware of what you've missed out on, but that's kind of the point, not to see what happens when you fall over the cliff. You have to decide to if you're going to flee or flirt. Fleeing honors God. It honors you. It honors your kids, your future kids, your grandkids. It honors others, but fleeing requires guardrails. Now, we have had the talk. You need to go away and you need to have the talk with God. And then you need to have the talk with your partner, your spouse, whoever it happens to be. And then you also need to have the talk with your family members, age appropriate, of course. I'll be waiting until my kids are not two and five, but, you know, have the talk. And then, you know what, you might even need to have the talk with other people around you. You don't know. But have the talk. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you um, for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity for us to have come together to grow, um, to learn more about you and the plan that you have for us, how you have designed us and what you want us to be doing um, in our lives so that we honour you and respect um, others, your sons, your daughters, whom of which we are. God, we love you so much and you know what, it's, we've had some laughs but it's a pretty raw stored away in our hearts that you will help us to have that courage and the wisdom to have the conversation, to know when to have it and to have it properly with whomever it is that we need to have it, Lord. May we always keep our eyes on you. May we always honour and respect you and what you have designed us for. We love you. Amen.